Um, but yeah, after Cassie drops that, um, they're still strategizing two hours later. Um, we have a quick throw aside, just like, yeah, well, the nukes was a bit too flippant. Um, really, because um, <laughs> it's not practical. They're not going to be able to get nukes. Um, mm. And we get the callbacks to, is it, was it 50 where they were on the aircraft carrier? No, that? that was 46. 40, yeah. Like okay, 40. well, we get a lot of callback to that and his choices during that. Um, and how um, his plan worked. Would he have gone through with it if his bluff hadn't worked? Um, and that's just on his mind as as they're strategizing um, and they're, they're planning. James has had to go back to the hospital because of maintaining cover um, and Toby has been asked to settle a dispute between one of the older Hortfordshire and Rachel's mum, which is just like... <laughs> Excellent. I, I do kind of want to see that B-plot. I won't lie. Um there's discussion back and forth. Uh, Marco's identified a military base nearby, but it's a bad idea because um, even if they got in past security, it still they wouldn't know how to use it. Um, and by the time they'd figured it out, they would be they'd be found. Um, the chi get brought up, um, but because, Tobias points out like they won't help with anything to do with this. They they couldn't. Um, and it feels like Jake is m- musing more out loud than anything. Um, and Marco points out, look, we don't really need a nuke. We just need explosives. We're collapsing a tunnel. Um, but it, that's, that's kind of what it is. And they figure out there's a National Guard installation nearby who do a lot of roadwork, forestry, and firefighting. Um, so they probably have uh, a limited amount of like dynamite and things like that. Um, Cassie points out, well, it's still going to be under pretty heavy lock and key. And Mark's like, yeah, well, I didn't say it's going to be easy. Just saying if we could hold enough dynamite, we could pack a train with it and ram the pool. Um, big V for Vendetta energy. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and then they talk about, oh, don't we have some friends in the National Guard? And Marco points out, like, who knows? Uh, we don't know if Lieutenant Colonel Carlson is still with the governor. Where's the governor? Where is Collins? Um, they've lost touch with these allies. They don't know what's going on with them. Uh, Jake immediately just assumes they've just been taken um, because the governor seriously pissed off Visser One. Mm-hmm. Um so like fine we discount those allies so who do we have and rach like us all of us the six of us james and the new guys parents toby and what hawk was your soldiers you can spare it'll be the most major operation we've launched so far that's the entire resistance jake said risking the whole team on one mission uh there's a long pause you know maybe we should rethink this tobias said yeah, we should, Cassie agreed. This mission is way too heavy with bad karma. Um, and one, that's not how karma works. Don't do that. And I know it was a very early 2000s way of thinking about it, but still, do better books. But her saying that is where Jake flips. Mm-hmm. Uh, look, Cassie, it would be nice if we had more choices. But now that the Yerks have morphing technology, we've lost our major edge, which means that now we have to take some major unpleasant risks. 
His voice was angry, sarcastic, accusatory. I had never heard Jake speak that way to anyone. And since his friendship with Cassie is quite special, his tone was even more surprising. Cassie looked stricken. I wondered if she would answer him with equal passion, but she did not. Instead, she looked as if she might cry. The others looked at one another bewildered. It was almost as if Jake were blaming Cassie for the Yurk acquisition of morphing technology. I shifted my weight from one leg to the other and observed the humans around me. Relationships were changing. Loyalties were shifting. There were unspoken animosities and hidden agendas. The decisions were coming more about emotions than tactics. The resistance was jeopardising its ability to be effective. I had been told this might happen. Because, uh, hey... This chapter really could do with being two chapters later. Because <laughs> that would just make more sense. But turns out, uh, one, Axe has a raccoon morph. This is the good part of this. <laughs> the visual of Axe as a raccoon carrying stuff around his mouth and little ra raccoon hands. Great. Unfortunately, he's been doing that to communicate with the Andalite homeworld. Not so great. Bad, in fact. Um, so he, he's been sneaking out of the camp at night in Morph to talk to the Andalites. Yeah. I mentioned oh. before we started that I'm not fully caught up on the podcast. And I, I'll be honest, I don't remember the you know last, I don't know, seven, eight books of the series all that well. Do we know, was this a thing? Do we know that they had the ability to talk to the Andalites? Yes, it, end, okay. it was ended a book, didn't it? Like it was a whole mm -hmm. thing they were gonna try and yeah, contact it was, them. It was the oh. end of forty five, the beginning of forty six, um, and I think either last book or the book before, uh, Jake made a point of telling Axe to contact Andalite High Command if he can, okay. and like give them an update. Okay, I remember them putting yeah. it together and being like, and you know, Jake having his moment of being like. This is Earth, or like mm -hmm, this mm -hmm, is the resistance, mm -hmm. or like something very dramatic, yes, and, exactly, and cool. Okay. It's been mentioned once since uh, okay. Axe effectively being given permission to call, yeah, okay. Andalite Homeworld, but he has been doing it of his own. Gotcha. Yes. Okay. Um, which is really risky because we know that him using at all calls folk fighters to the area. Yeah. So you gotta hope that he's getting out far enough away from the camp that they won't see the camp. But like, but like my dude, mm -hmm. don't move that fast. Exactly. Yeah. And oh. I suppose one thing about it is it is a sign of just how desperate and scared Axe is that he's doing this. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Not to excuse it, to be clear, but it is a sign of just how unmoored he is. Um, so he's been contacting Andalite High Command, um, basically giving them updates on what all has been happening. Um, and we, we get this reveal that they have been telling him, uh, that the human resistance would rapidly lose effectiveness, that there would be infighting tensions, discipline breaking down, etc., etc. 
all the kind of standard anti-white propagation propaganda bullshit. Um, because they want Axe to be on their side and not as allied with the Oaks as or fuck as with the animals as he is. Um, right. And so they've been whispering in his ear like an evil advisor, essentially. Um, and he tells them about this plan to basically destroy the Yurk pool. Um, and the, the, the analytes are like, do they believe they can defeat the Yurks by destroying only one central pool? And X is immediately defensive of his friends, like, this is all, this is what they can do. We don't have that many people here. Um, and we get the we get the reveal that Andalite High Command has met and discussed the whole Earth problem, uh, and they've made their decision. If Yerks are indeed concentrating uh, on planet Earth, we must allow their plan to continue. Once the bulk of the Yerk race has been transported. The planet can be quarantined. Uh, and, uh, dear listener, uh, if you don't get a chill down your spine at that thought, <laughs> the fucking androids, man. Mm-hmm. And we'll get in a moment that, like, Axe extrapolates, like, what quarantine. It will mean as well, like what it is the first step right. towards. But even if that weren't the case, and to be fair, this is not a surprise. We have seen this before from Adelaide's the readiness they were to like throw the Hawk Bajir homeworld under the bus. The, they do think in numbers, they have mm-hmm. always thought in numbers. But I suppose there's something about knowing that there is this active resistance, that they're working directly against Visser 1, who is fucking high-ranking. Like, he's Visser goddamn 1. Mm-hmm. Like, aside from the Council of 13, he's the highest-ranking person out, and what a big deal that is. No, 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 we'll just let the Yerks have Earth. Yeah. And just stop them getting anywhere else. Like, there aren't yurks all over the place anyway. And even it by is... a numbers perspective, letting them have Earth, mm-hmm. that's millions, so billions. Like, yeah. yurks can reproduce really quickly if they have pools. Like, mm. how how is that a strategically sound decision by any it's stretch a short, of the imagination? It, it's short-sighted. And yes. to be fair, what it is, it... It's what it's leading to, isn't it? It's that. Mm-hmm. God damn, that art is good. Um, <laughs> Jesus. I can't keep looking at that right now, but I want to. But it's weird, like, quarantine is the first step. The Andalites have no intention of saving Earth. No. This is, uh. get all the Yerks in one place, and then we'll nuke it from orbit. Yeah, that's 
because that's what the are gonna want to come here for. yeah mm-hmm. Because, like, okay, a human is an ideal host for a yerk. It can do all these wonderful magical things. Uh, yerk High Command do not know that the yerks have the morphing ability. Now. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think that would change their decision, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Maybe they would move faster. Yeah, exactly. If anything, it would do that. Um, Let's nuke it now. Yeah, just like, mm, actually, in fact. Yeah, I'd say that. It's interesting because there's this comment that Axe makes later about how the Andalites have the ability to morph. Like it's an innate thing. Like, nah, mm-hmm. you, bro, you you guys just built the box. Anyone can do it <laughs> if they've touched the box. Yeah. Yeah. But again, it's that is arguably some a very insightful little way of like the way Andalites are taught to feel like they are superior. Mm-hmm. And we get lots of references to like Ciro and stuff like that. Like Axe, as much as Axe is reckoning with the, the evils that his human friends are doing, he does a lot of thinking about the Andalite fuck ups too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He, we get him walk through this, like the logic process of what the Andalites are going to do because the stated thing that the Andalites say which is, in itself, very shitty, is uh, once the planet is quarantined, we'll be in a position to negotiate. We will mediate a peaceful symbiosis between humans and yurks. Mm-hmm. That's your decision. Cool. Great. Okay. That sounds <laughs> plausible. Hey, uh, so long as they're not infesting Andalites, am I right, guys? Am I right? <laughs> I'm like, what the fuck? Uh, but Axe clearly walks through the, the thought process of, like, the stated goal would be quarantine. The orders would say quarantine. But what everyone would understand is that a quarantine would be impossible to sustain. To enforce a quarantine, the Andalite fleet would be forced to engage. And once they engaged, they would annihilate the planet and every living thing on it, yerk and human. Quarantine was the first step toward genocide. Uh, the High Command had made his decision the yerk conquest of the galaxy would stop here on Earth. Um, and this really, really shakes Axe a lot. Um, and he's once again kind of leaning more closer to his friends because what the fuck um but uh this is where i want to talk about like the the ordering the structure of the novel well i guess that can wait until after this next chapter um because this next chapter has uh, some important stuff uh, I think I'm just going to read it, because it's only a page and a half. The next morning, Jake gathered us together to finalize our plans. The Animorphs were there, Tobias in human form. Toby was there, James was there on behalf of the new recruits, and Marco's parents were present. I've been on the computer all night, Marco said. All of us. Me, Mom, and Dad. We hacked into nearly every file on the National Guard base. Bottom line, they've got a big warehouse full of thousand-pound bombs. Yes, Rachel grinned. Major firepower. 
Marco's mother looked exhausted. We could kill a lot of slugs with one, with one thousand pound bomb. We could kill them all with ten or twelve thousand pound bombs, Marco's dad amended. In an enclosed space, an explosion of even one thousand pound bomb would have incredible magnitude. The devastation would be close to that of an atomic explosion. Rachel nodded with satisfaction. We'd be going seriously medieval on your foot, which isn't, that isn't, that's the opposite of medieval, that but makes okay. No sense. Okay. Uh, <laughs> the big question is how, Jake asked. We talked about this before. We'd have to commit everything, everybody, animorphs, all of us, Porkbajir, parents. I'm out, Cassie said hotly. I thought that maybe, but I can't. And I can tell you my parents are out too. Rachel glared at her. Okay, Cassie, she said in a sarcastic, sweet tone. So, what do you think we should do instead? Just sit here and wait for the Yorks to find us? Or maybe we should make it real easy on them and go and hop on the train for a little swim in the pool? Why do you have to be so horrible? Cassie exploded. You are, you know, and you get worse every day. Your own mother can't even stand you. Cassie turned to walk away, but Jake grabbed her sleeve. Cassie, come on. Come on what? Cassie spit. You don't knowingly take innocent life. Not if you're a decent person. Not if you're not a murderer. The goal is irrelevant. I thought you knew that, Jake. But apparently... Apparently, you decided to start making decisions for me, Jake shouted back. Somewhere along the line, you decided that you knew what was best. For me. For everybody. Well, guess what? Cassie put her hands in front of her as if she were going to shove Jake away. Don't. Stop. Just don't. Please. The rest of the assembled group was silent. I believe it is safe to say that none of us understood what was causing Jake and Cassie to argue so furiously. Tears began to roll down Cassie's cheeks. I'm sorry, she said. I shouldn't have done it. I don't even really know why I did it. I, at the moment, it seemed the right thing to do. The only thing. Now I'm just sorry. I'm sorry. What is she talking about? Marco whispered. It was me, Cassie shouted. I gave the Yerks the morphine cube. I let Tom run away with it. I stopped Jake from chasing him, from killing him. Me. I felt my back legs weaken slightly. Cassie? A traitor? It did not seem possible. Oh, Cassie, Eva murmured. You did what? Marco said, his voice hoarse. Tom had it. He had the cube. The only way Jake was going to get it from him was to kill him. I couldn't let Jake do that. I couldn't. I was trying to protect him. You were trying to protect Jake, so basically you sold out the rest of the human race? Rachel said. Her voice was tight, the voice of controlled ferocity, violence just barely contained. I'm sure she didn't think of it in those terms, Tobias said softly. I didn't think at all, Cassie said, her voice exhausted and full of grief. It was more of an impulse, an instinct, something inside just told me to let Tom take the cue. I knew, I knew I was making a sacrifice, that I was sacrificing so much. Maybe now it seems stupid, but at that moment I thought I was doing the right thing. I really did. Rachel lifted her hand, began to make a fist. Tobias grabbed her wrist. And surprisingly, Jake pulled Cassie to him and embraced her. Cassie leaned her head on his shoulder. Jake pressed his cheek against her hair. It's okay, Cassie, he said, his voice ragged. I'm sorry. It's okay. Embarrassed, I averted my eyes. After several moments, Cassie withdrew from Jake's arms and faced the rest of us. I'm so sorry. I made a mistake, a terrible mistake. 
I won't do it again. I won't try to decide what's right for everyone. It was arrogant and dangerous. I didn't mean it to be, but it was. Jake ran his hands through his hair. Look, this is hard stuff, but we've got to work as a team. We don't have room for individual agendas. We go or we don't go, but either way. Jake's voice droned on, but I was no longer listening. I could not stop looking at Cassie. I was not exactly sure what I was feeling, but I was sure it was very close to hatred. Well, so, you know, just normal Animorphs things. <laughs> I So first I want to talk about Axe. This is obviously a huge turning point for Axe, because it is a betrayal of a lot of the things that he holds very dear. Um, he feels betrayed not only on, like, the level that he's an Andalite and she gave away Andalite technology that wasn't really hers to give. Um, and also on the level of, like, my brother gave that to you because he, like, trusted you to, to use it right. Um, and you just kind of give that away. Um, and, I think Axe's response to this makes a lot of sense. I think the way that it pushes him closer towards the Andalites, the way that it makes him balk and, like, basically think, I don't understand anything about these humans. How can they even, like, begin to accept Cassie back? Why aren't they trying her as a traitor? Why aren't like, why is she still here and being included in this group when she has made this huge betrayal? And I think that... I think that really, um, like, makes sense to me as a motivation for Axe. Um, and that's part of why I'm so frustrated with how this book is set up. Because... The it would make more sense to me that he is contacting High Command and giving them information and going behind the others back. Um, there, there needs to be some kind of context because as it is, we don't get anything in this book that tells us why. X started contacting High Command regularly like this again. Um, like, we can maybe infer that uh, like Jake instructed X to contact them, and then they told him to keep in regular contact, keep them abreast of the information, and Jake was like, yeah, that sounds like a great idea. They need to know kind of what's going on so that they can come in prepared. Um, like, or like, he contacted them, contacted them the once, and now that he's seeing some of the discord in the group, he's tempted to contact them again, because they told him, like, they warned him, hey, this stuff is going to happen. Um, but he doesn't go to them like, hey, you were right uh, about uh, the things you said about the human resistance. Like, he's literally just making, like, a standard report. Um, and, like, maybe that's 
partly maybe because of his training, but it just, it feels kind of messy to me, especially considering the fact that this is essentially a rehash of the same stuff we did in 38, uh, where, you know, the, the Askelin came to Earth, uh, not the Askelin, uh, the Intrepid. I don't remember what the name of the ship The Andalite ship. The Andalite ship. The small one, the, the ones who were going to give the virus to... Yes. Right. Um, they... Because in that book, it's a lot of him kind of feeling like he needs to... Or seeming like, because we realize it's mostly a ploy. Um, he needs to uh, side with the Andalites and give them information and all this sort of thing. But in the end, it's all a, a double play anyway. Uh, like, he ha he's solidly on the Animorphs' side most of the time. Um, has a couple of, like, kind of waverings, and he's really excited to see his own people, etc., etc. But for the most part, he's still solidly accepted. Jake as his prince, and he's not going to question that. Uh, so it just feels weird that we have him acting like this here, um, especially considering that Kimberly Morris is the one who wrote 38. And so it's like she wrote that one, but then she writes him being so almost regressive here. And again, we talked at the beginning about trauma and how that can make you cling to things. Um, and how you can kind of bounce back and forth between varying viewpoints. And it's not, it doesn't make it invalid. It's just like the structure of this book, I feel like, would be stronger and make a better emotional case if it were a little different. Um, yeah. Uh, that, that's my that's my long rambling. I don't. I'm not sure if I actually made a point, uh, but it's uh... yeah. I mean, it's it's definitely frustrating considering it's the same author. Mm -hmm. Like we kind of said, I mean, it it just doesn't show a lot of growth from the last time we dealt with this same mm -hmm. you know character issue. Um, and. I, and I think you're right. I think the ordering of the chapters doesn't help that. If we had seen Axe contact, you know, Andalite Homeworld after finding out about Kathy, you know, mm -hmm. giving up the Morphin Cube, that would make more sense. That would be a catalyst for, like, this team is falling apart. Mm -hmm. Like, I have to do something. What can I do? Okay, here's what I can do. But because it came before and is implied that it's been happening semi-regularly for yeah. an undetermined amount of time. Yeah. That's like, the part that, that really gets me. That doesn't make sense. Yeah. Um, like, it, 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 he, after this chapter, he does go and he's like, I, I need to contact them and tell them everything. Right. Um, like, he, he does, he, he decides to talk to Cassie about it first, which I think is one of the best moments mm -hmm. um, in the book because he does, like, He's like, no, I'm going to contact them, but I do 
need to hear from Cassie why she thought this was important because I do respect Cassie a lot. And I want to know maybe she did have a really good reason and I just don't know it kind of thing, you know? Um, I don't know. It, it, I'm interested to see, well, I guess most of the people who are going to read the, read the book already read it in the discord. Um, and I don't know if anybody necessarily spoke about this in particular, like this structuring of axes. Uh, Axe's narrative arc in this book mm-hmm. is a roller coaster in a way it shouldn't be. Yeah. Hey, thank you for distilling the last 15 minutes to one sentence. That really helps. <laughs> I got you, boo. <laughs> I wouldn't have been able to distill it if you hadn't spent the 15 minutes explaining it. Well, thank you. <laughs> uh, but, yeah. It, it's, it's sure something. I'm, I'm interested to see what people in the Discord, what their analysis is. Because a lot of people live blogged it, but I don't know if they necessarily analyze this bit. Because um, maybe, maybe I'm just really tired and thinking too much about it. <laughs> so I, I think that is definitely med- valid. Is, like, I was going to say, also, our podcast is founded on the basis of thinking too much about it. This is true. That's why we're here. So we can't think a lot about it. That's why we make like a three hour, four hour episode. <laughs> <laughs> every every other Animorphs podcast, half an hour, an hour max per book. <laughs> They're babies. <laughs> Puny babies. We yeah, have many thoughts. <laughs> when I was trying to catch up on on the plot and everything before reading this book. I started out catching up on the podcast and I was like, wait, no, what am I doing? Let me just read the book. That'll take like a third the time. <laughs> Absolutely. We aren't here to have a concise time. We're here to have a rambling time <laughs> and bring y'all along on the ramble. It's what we do. Um, but I think we need to now talk about everyone else's reaction to this yeah um because axe is obviously our point of view and we we can expand more when we get to axe's conversation with cassie which fucking slaps it's good like it's incredibly good Mm -hmm. um i fucking love rachel and i fucking Mm -hmm. love tobias Mm -hmm. and i wish we had a proper moment with marco in that bed Mm -hmm. Because I'm biased. I'm we get we get like a moment from him later because they continue talking about shit, and we get mm. Marco saying like, "Cassie may have been a major idiot for about half a second, but she's right now." <laughs> which, yeah, which I don't like care. A, I don't care for that. I don't care for that at all. Um, it's, it's yeah. It's that that is a very flippant Marco in the moment thing to say, but. And to be fair, we get expanded on more mm-hmm. uh, with uh, Cassie's information. But I love that a lot of the like, you don't know why you did it. That yeah. makes it worse. Yes. Like, I love that. Big fucking autistic mood. Just mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You don't know why you did it. Screams. Um, <laughs> but one, 
I find Jake's choice as being written to like throw Cassie under the bus and then pull her out from underneath it. Yeah. Fast. It's like, okay, can everyone else be mad at Cassie now? Because then I can go back to loving Cassie if everyone <laughs> knows. But it's almost yeah. like the pressure of being the only one knowing mm-hmm. was causing yeah. him as much harm as anything else. Yeah. And with the onus of him not being the only one who has to be mad about it, he can start to forgive Cassie for it. Yeah. I'd love that for him, genuinely. Mm-hmm. I think that given how all over the place he has been, and he got what he wanted, he pushed and he pushed and it broke. Mm-hmm. And Cassie broke down in front of everybody and admitted it. And maybe yeah. he feels bad about it, maybe he doesn't. Mm-hmm. But he got what he wanted. Mm-hmm. Which is her saying, I won't do that anymore. And I'm sorry. Yeah. For possibly the first time. Uh, yeah, I, I don't, was talking about that before. Remember. Like she's not apologized for it. Yeah. I'm gonna go look at it right now, but I don't think she did. No, I don't yeah. think so. No, because I remember us talking about it and you saying at the time how she doesn't say sorry. Mm-hmm. Um, which is what I think Jake needs from her. Because he does probably understand why she made that choice. Because mm-hmm. it's Cassie. And he's yeah. Jake. Yeah, and she doesn't apologize at knows. all. So yeah, but her in front of the others, like saying, one, I'm sorry, and two, I won't make that kind of choice anymore. And so all the others know why Jake has been acting towards her the way that he does, or has been. Mm-hmm. It then gives him permission to stop. Mm-hmm. And God, though, I was so ready for Rachel to throw down. <laughs> In a way, because, I like, mean, I'm oh, sorry, continue. Oh, no, please, I can remember my point. You go. Well, I was saying it's almost like he needed Cassie to be punished in a way for her choice yeah. right and when he was the only one who knew he was the only one who could punish her for it now that everyone knows and everyone's upset at her it's like the responsibility is spread out now and now he mm-hmm. is able he doesn't have to focus on that he can focus on other things and moving on exactly yeah. but she's still you know being made mm-hmm. to be accountable for it and she still feels bad for yeah. it and it's not a healthy way to necessarily no. deal with it, but you know, it's a it's way. A way. <laughs> a way. Um, but yeah, for me, one Rachel, I, 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 Rachel let Cassie hurt her so much before, but the second Cassie did something that threatened the group, mm-hmm. it's like, I'm sorry, you on your high horse did what now? Mm-hmm. How dare you judge me? Mm-hmm. But it's that, in the same way that Axe is betrayed, I think Rachel is, betrayal is what's got mm-hmm. Rachel ready to punch her. Yes. Yeah. And Tobias knowing Rachel enough, well enough to know that she would hate herself for doing it. Mm-hmm. So he stops her. If there's anybody else, I like to think it would have been Tobias like, I got your flower, babe. <laughs> you go. <laughs> I miss that meme. <laughs> <laughs> that was a good meme. Um, to be fair, Tobias and Rachel have a bit of that energy anyway, just generally, uh, and it's good. <laughs> but yeah. 
there's just something so wonderfully perfect about Rachel. I'm just gushing now because part of me is sad that we don't hear her say it and the fact that everything seems mostly okay afterwards mm-hmm. is a choice I do not agree with. Because yeah. as, as much as Tobias understands her, and I can just imagine the two of them talking out later, but there's something about, because the focus is on Axe and his betrayal, mm-hmm. but I want to see Rachel's anger here because, and it's one of the failings of the Animorphs books that I find the most disappointing is that we do not get more time sitting with Rachel and Cassie and they're in the fucking ruins of their friendship. Yeah. Because that exchange earlier with Cassie being all defensive and being like, oh, well, Rachel, you want to do the thing? She's like, Cassie, Rachel killed David for you. Mm -hmm. Like, can you not? Yeah. Yeah, it it's it, very much reminiscent to me of like Rachel, I've given up everything of me for this war. Mm-hmm. And yeah. <laughs> you you never stopped me from doing anything terrible mm-hmm. in order because to save myself. Oh it allowed Danielle to hold on oh. to herself. Like she let no, Rachel but, sacrifice everything so yeah, that she didn't but have to. The the betrayal of Cassie not doing that for Rachel, but doing it for Jake. Danielle, you have fucking sniped me, you bastard. <laughs> oh, you would do it for a boy, but not for your bestie? The worst. <laughs> Jail for a thousand years. I cry. Because, like, but Cassie's there talking about sacrifice as well. Just like, I knew what I was giving up by doing this. And Rachel there, like, bitch. <laughs> well, you sacrificed. Yeah. And you only get, and you're only doing that now. You haven't sacrificed stuff before. Mm-hmm. What the fuck, Cassie? Yep. If I was Rachel, I probably would have cried. Yeah. And it's, it's Sidebar, I up. love that we see Rachel cry briefly in this book. Yes, me too. So important to me. It's all tied up, too, in, like, Rachel's resentment of Jake. Mm. You know? Like, she resents that she is the one who does the dirty thing. And, like, mm-hmm. oh, so, so Jake isn't the one. So Jake doesn't have to kill Tom. Uh, you know? Jake doesn't have to get blood in his hands, then? No? Uh-huh. Uh, it's a lot. God forbid a woman do anything. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry. I have to drop in me. I have to diffuse the tension because otherwise I get very sad very fast. (laughs) Um, That's what happens when your friend takes you on the 20 year long emotional journey, but you're doing it in the space of like two years. Uh, <laughs> oh, it's good. Yeah, I recommend yeah. it. But just 
I wish there was more of it. I love what we get and I wish there was more of it and that its consequences were mm -hmm. more long felt. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because the, the thing is in the next chapter, everyone just kind of like accepts this. Well, what's done is done. Yeah. No use crying over spilled milk. Yeah. The and yurks he, can morph now. What 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 good is being mad at Cassie gonna do? Mm -hmm. Like, no. appreciate that, but still, we don't necessarily get an indication of how much time has passed between the previous book, the previous chapter and this chapter. Um, but it's implied to not be very much. Uh huh. So like, everybody just kind of like brushes past it, and that is very frustrating. Um. Because everybody just, like, still accepts Cassie as this voice of morality. And part of it is that, because I think... Jake says to. Yeah, but, like, it'd be one thing if, like, okay, yeah, we accept you. We're not going to kick you out of the group. But, no, you don't get to do anything anymore. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, we revoke uh, your decision-making or whatever. Mm-hmm. And Cassie herself is saying in this, yeah. I'm not going to do this anymore. Mm -hmm. But I do, I do it, like the point that Jake on. makes in a minute where he's like, no, you don't get to moralize this whole time and then back out of moralizing now. <laughs> <laughs> Which I do like. Sure. You've always you've always had definite ideas about what we should or shouldn't do. Don't weasel now. Mm. That is a, like have the courage of your convictions, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, you made one bad choice. That doesn't mean you get to stop making choices. Exactly. Yes, because it is, in its own way, a, a almost a selfish kind of desire right it's like oh, yeah I absolve really yourself of having to make the choices like oh exactly. well i fucked up don't let me do it anymore it's just like bitch that's not how this works <laughs> I'm, i should stop calling a third uh, well because it's described they'd be in their first year of high school so what's that 15 this it's he said they would be in in high school not necessarily their first year of high school um they are canonically jake at least is canonically 16 um I think next book. Um, so what do we think that makes them like what freshmen, sophomores? Yeah, it is. Oh yeah, fourteen, fifteen is like yeah. freshman, right? And fifteen, yes, sixteen exactly. is sophomore. Yeah, yeah. That's he, he, right. Next book, he is sixteen. And these books are coming one after another so yeah. i think it's fair mm -hmm. to assume he's 16 now and I, I guess i've always assumed like they're all in the same grade so they're all yeah, yeah. i guess they're all similar they're all, ages at least yeah there's there's a depending on when what month you're born in there's a, yeah they're within other. a year of each other yeah regardless they're babies yes but to, to, to clarify my point, I need to stop calling a 15-year-old girl a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> Even in a jest. To be clear, this is how Cassie is written. Mm -hmm. Poorly. 
frequently. <laughs> Unfortunately. Sorry, I just made the choice to eat a Sour Patch Kid. This was maybe not my smartest decision I've ever made. Um, so they, they continue to discuss the whole blowing up the York pool thing. Um, and Toby's basically like, we, we're, we're tired of fighting. We're a peaceful species, but we're going to fight and we're going to go down fighting. Um, and Marco's like, I'm with Toby. Marco's mom is like, yeah, I know, uh, how your high command works and it's very bad and we should fight. <laughs> um, and she even says if we do enough damage we could possibly chase the Yurks off Earth um, and elaborates that like uh, Idris didn't advocate all that war because she knew Earth was like the humans would fight and be really obnoxious um, and it is possible that Esplin has been warned that if he fucks up again uh, they're going to just pull support for Earth. Like, this is too much work. It's not worth it. Um, and, like, just move basal operations to somewhere else. And I refuse to believe that Vissa 1 would buy into the, not buy into the sunk cost fallacy. Like, Yerk High <laughs> Command might, but Vissa 1 is so much, like, the yes, pride absolutely. in that man. Yes. It's just like, nope, I've started it, so I finish it. Yes. Even if finishing so it means burning it to a cinder. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, and Eva also points out, with the ability to morph, the Yerks don't really need humans. We could make do with another species on another planet a species less aggressive than humans. Um, and Jake's like, I'm not sure that's great news for, like, the universe. Um, and Peter is like, yeah, but it's good news for us. Uh, the Yurks are forced to leave Earth. This or one's back to being a sub or somewhere. Um, Marco backs them up. We might not be able to defeat the Yurks, but we can at least move them off Earth. And Cassie's like, and inflict them on another species. Uh, and Toby is the one who says, like, well, maybe not. If we can force them off Earth and into Z space, maybe we can coordinate something with the Andalite fleet that, like, the Andalites ambush them in Z space and kill them off. Right. Um, Axe is barely paying any attention to this conversation because he's so fucking mad. Uh, he's got Kill Bill sirens going on <laughs> this whole time. <laughs> Um, and Jake asks him, like, would, would the Andalites, like, work with us on this? And Axe is like, it's hard to know what they would do. Um, and he says it in such a way that Jake's like, okay, then. Uh, in any event, step one is to blow the Yurk pool. Uh, and we get some more, like, internal turmoil from Axe, uh, and he says fucking this. <laughs> should I have told High Command everything? Yes, I should have. Without doubt, they needed to know that the entire situation on Earth was changing because of one human, because of Cassie. Of course, it has always been a possibility that the enemy might somehow acquire morphing technology, either through conquest or guile. War is about losses as well as victories. 
but to surrender without struggle your most important piece of technology, strategy, defense. It was simply incomprehensible to me. It was also incomprehensible to me that Cassie was allowed to participate in this discussion. On my own planet, she would have been tried for treason and executed immediately, and yet the others continued to consult her. My hatred for Cassie began to extend to them all. They were fools. They would never prevail. They were too soft, too sentimental, too childish, too stupid and ignorant. Stupidity and ignorance within one's own ranks are more dangerous opponents than an outside enemy could ever be. I had been taught that lesson in the military academy. Now I had been given an object lesson that proved the principle. As the humans continued to plan and plot, my mind raced. I did not know what to do. Perhaps I should contact War Prince uh, Jaham Estelan Forlan and tell him I had been interrupted by bugfighters before making a full report. I could tell him that the Yurks had acquired Andalite Morgan technology. And I could tell him that if Andalite High Command was going to quarantine the planet, they needed to do it quickly. Spiraling. Yeah. Like, he is Kid hard needs a nap. spiraling. Kid needs a Kit Kat. Kid needs a hug. He is in, but yeah, I, I'm flipping. But yeah, you can just. It's so easy once you get in the panic spiral, though. Just like mm -hmm. I'm so mad at Cassie. Actually, I'm mad at everybody. Actually, I'm mad at everything. Actually, stupid. this is horrible. The only way out is to <laughs> burn the planet to this. Yeah, this is why he he needs a nap. Have you ever just been so mad at everything and just like mm, I'm gonna nap. <laughs> I'm joking, but also he's exhausted. Yeah. They all mm -hmm. are. Mm -hmm. And he's viewing everything as a threat and everyone as a threat. And of course, like we were literally just talking about, it seems weird how flippant everyone is and gets over it really fast. And Axe is there like, um, are we not going to address this? Mm -hmm. No? Anybody? Yeah. And... Because we know how strict Andalite culture is about the sharing of technology and the loss mm -hmm. of technology, mm -hmm. it is considered such a heinous thing uh, after Ciro's folly and all that. Yeah. So. Uh, so I don't know whether he like he calms himself down before we next have a conversation because this is when we talk about the inconsistencies and the shitty roller coaster that is this book like this feels like so much of an escalation that then he's going to back off from so it's like i mean why is, have this he is ready to fucking go when he has this conversation with cassie he's just like yeah. he's just he's just looking for that explanation um, it is very much like the unspoken thing is convince me not to give you all up yes yeah, basically, it's like this is the last. It, it's giving her one last chance. It feels mm -hmm. like, right? Mm -hmm. Of yeah. maybe there's some hidden reason that I'm not seeing. I'm gonna give her the benefit of the doubt for this five minute conversation, but it doesn't sound like he really has. Yeah, he doesn't want to. He he wants to be convinced, but yes. he doesn't think she is going to convince him. Yes, that. Yes. Mm -hmm. Um, so we tune back into the conversation to hear, uh, basically like 
But Tobias is like, well, what if we give them some time to escape? We just, like, we send the bombs in, and we give them, like, five minutes to get out. Um, and just go with it from there. And everyone's like, yeah, okay, that sounds about right. <laughs> because five minutes is definitely enough time to evacuate the entire year pool. Um, <laughs> what? What? Um, but it's it's enough to mollify their conscience for for such a drastic what would be a drastic win, you know? Yeah. It tips the balance enough. Yeah. Um and uh this is where, you know, Jake pokes at Cassie and Cassie's like, I'll do whatever you guys say. Uh and Jake's like, that's not good enough. Don't weasel now. Uh, and Cassie says, okay, then it's wrong, but let's do it anyway. I'll learn to live with my conscience. We all will. I don't have a better plan. I guess this is as close as we'll get to defeating the Yerks without being the Yerks. Jake's face relaxed. I saw the faintest hint of a smile, almost of relief. He addressed the group. Look, Cassie did what she did. She had her reasons. I don't understand them, so I can't say if they were right or wrong. But her decision to let Tom get away with the morphing cube changed the equation. Still, I trust Cassie's instincts even more than my own, especially more than my own these days. So let's just readopt this phrase as our guideline. Defeat the Yerks, don't become them. And we get Axe musing on, like, he used to think that Rachel was the most dangerous kind of human, but now he thinks Cassie is the most dangerous kind of human, which is, you know, a common sci-fi kind of trope. Um, but I, I like this from Cassie. I really do. I like that she can look at everybody and say, like, no, this is wrong. I understand why we have to do it. But we need to know that it's wrong. Because that, to me, that is the strength of the heart to me. Mm -hmm. um, that, like, reminding everybody, not, not like necessarily constant moralizing and judgment of everybody and everything like that, but, you know, the one who thinks, tries to think about as many possible alternatives as possible, and when there is no alternative to be like, okay, this is going to do serious damage to us as people because this is very bad, but I get that we have to do it. Oh, we have to do it anyway. Yeah, that's when Cassie is is an effective character, right? When she's yeah. not blocking, she's not impeding the decisions that have to be made. She's just making sure everyone is like, okay, stop. Think about the implications. Okay, now we can go through with it. But we have to yeah. be aware of what we're doing. We can't just mm -hmm. do it without thinking. Mm -hmm. It's mm -hmm. also the fact that she's like, and I will go with you. It's not yes. that I'm judging you all. I appreciate it needs to be done, but I am judging you a bit and I'm going to mm -hmm. keep my hands clean. It is that it's a shitty thing we have to do and it's wrong, but we, it's going to be done and I will yeah. do it too. Yes, we'll all learn to live with our conscience. Like that, that to me is like the distillation of what Cassie should be. Um, and I think it really represents a moment of growth for her. Um, I think from here in like the conversation she has with Axe, we get a lot of like, really good Cassie kind of coming to terms with like I obviously don't know what's best all the time um, but I think it is still important to think about these things and 
I don't think mercy is a bad thing. Um, et cetera, et cetera, you know. Like, I think, I think it shows some good, good Cassie characterization and, like, growth from her. Um, at least in this bit. Uh, another sheet of foil for my tin hat I remembered again the desperate falcon the one who yearned for freedom had he found it in the sky or in death could still be alive could be him (laughs) could be him just saying (laughs) Um, but yes the sci-fi trade like the the road to hell paved with good intentions intentions. Mm -hmm, Um, not not a new sentiment, but considering the number of times we on this podcast have said, really, Cassie's the one you want to worry about. <laughs> yes. So, yeah, we have said this. Yes. So, 